3: Future, go to Noblegoldinvestments.com. Now, Noblegoldinvestments.com. Past
2: performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision.
4: All right, let's go ahead and fire this bad boy up. Let me make sure I got the right microphone up uh, microphone working. Yep. Okay, so I think you guys can hear me. So I was just moseying about, and I got a text from Mr. Brian Lupo who said Sources. The most credible sources that you can imagine, tell me that you're going to want to live stream this hearing. So we got Lake V. Hobbs, a status hearing, which to my understanding was just going to be court proceedings in the Cary Lake lawsuit. You know, the uh, Supreme Court ordered Judge uh, Thompson to reconsider count three regarding uh, ballot envelope signatures. Right. So we have a conference today. I was expecting it to be boring. However, Mr. CanCon says otherwise. So it's supposed to start right now, and it looks like uh, people are taking their seats. Let me go ahead and share my screen. I'm not sure what we're going to get because Mr. CanCon was being cryptic with me, but apparently it's going to be interesting. All right, so let me know in the chat that you guys can hear this. Just shoot me a comment. It's pretty loud for me. It's actually very loud. Hold on. i got to turn it down on my end. Just a lot of shuffling around. But there we see Mr. Kurt Olsen, Carrie Lake's attorney. Okay. Okay. Um, Su- Suzette says it's, it's loud, so it's not just me
5: where's the link
4: now with Cancon saying that you know sources tell him this is going to be big i'm assuming i'm just assuming that his source is clay perique <laughs> i just have a feeling it's clay perique just a guess
5: Got it. Thank you. Okay.
0: Absolutely. Okay.
5: All right. <clears throat> okay. This is. CV 2022 This is Lake versus Hobbs. This is a scheduling conference set related to a remand from the Arizona Supreme Court. I'll take appearances, beginning with plaintiffs first. I've got Mr. Blim here in the courtroom. Go ahead for the record, Mr. Blim.
6: Good afternoon, Your Honor, Brian Blim. On behalf of Gary Lake and uh, my co-counsel, Kurt Olson, should be online.
5: He is. Mr. Olson, go ahead.
7: Good afternoon, Your Honor. Okay, should I just you. begin? By me? Never. No. Just your just
5: name me. at this point. I'm just I'm I'm taking role. I've got a lot of different people here. Okay, for the defendants, who do I have? Let's see.
8: <laughs> Good afternoon, Your Honor. Craig Morgan for Sherman and Howard on behalf of the Arizona Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, With me also are my colleagues Jake Rapp and Shana Stewart.
5: Okay. All right,
8: Your Honor, uh, Thomas Liddy from the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, and with me are my colleagues Joe LaRue and Karen hartman Tejas, also from the County Attorney's Office, and Emily Crager from the Burgess Law Group. And we represent Maricopa County, the Maricopa County employees that are defendants, and the Maricopa County recorder. Thank you.
0: Okay.
9: Good afternoon, Your Honor. This is Ava Khanna on behalf of Governor Hobbs. Uh, also dialed in
4: today is Lolly Maduri. Katie Hobbs would have an attorney named Avakana. It sounds like Avocado.
5: It's from everybody that's here to participate. All right, I don't hear anything. So I think we've got everybody on the record. Okay. Today, what the intent was is, um, and I pray, Mr. Blem, you filed that motion for a status conference i I was already planning on doing that, and I appreciated the uh, upfront information you gave in that about uh the contemplated uh, motions that you have. What I intended to do today is to get some dates set because it's supposed to be um compliant with the press time frame for an election challenge and um, so let me let me just suggest because we've been down this road once before. Okay. I understand with with regard to the motions that Mr. Blem's put on the um, on notice. There's things that he's contemplating, but defendants also um, it, it was suggested in the remand that there was a, a motion to dismiss. Um, so, cutting a long story short, with the time frame I have. I was envisioning um, using this week to uh, file motions, response, replies, and my, my thought was filing motions by tomorrow for any motions that are going to be before the court, responses the next day, reply the next day, and oral argument on Friday morning. Because then there's only one of me. There's a whole bunch of you, but I have to rule on these things and, uh, and uh, take care of that business on that end. And then uh, my thought was to have to set right now, because I can't wait till later on to see how everything evolves, but to set the actual trial or hearing date for the Tuesday, the 16th. Okay. I think I want to do it this way. Let me ask any of you who are here. Okay. I already got Mr. Leroux standing.
6: Your honor. I'm sorry. Um, Tuesday, the 16th, Judge Jensen in Mojave County has set uh, a <sighs> oral argument for all afternoon. Um, and most of the attorneys, maybe all of the attorneys here are involved in that.
8: And, Your Honor, I have a dear friend who succumbed to cancer. I'm going to his funeral on Friday in Washington, D.C. Um, I know that people have a right to have finale in their elections, and I can't have my colleagues do that, although I would prefer to be here. Oh, but. I can have colleagues. I, okay, thank you. I, 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 I thought I misheard you. You're going to your
5: friend's funeral.
8: I would very much like to do yes. that, Your Honor.
5: Yes, I understand.
8: Just so you have a clear record, um, Mr. LaRue said it's correct. Uh, we are in Mojave County on a motion for new trial uh, in the Hamada case.
5: Okay. Oh. You don't have to stand up, Mr. Olson. I understand. It's just a your honor. I understand. You Did you have something you were going to add?
7: Y- yes, your honor. We, we would request, your honor, if you would give a slight uh, delay in the schedule, recognizing that we have the order from the Arizona Supreme Court was issued when they did. And, you know, we have to collect witnesses, some of whom live out of state and also expert witnesses who are also out of state uh, to present the trial. We also, as we noted in the uh, motion requesting a status conference and your your honor recognized uh, we would like to discuss consolidating a complaint with respect to a public records act request action that's directly related and secondly we have a motion for reconsideration pursuant to rule 60 regarding count two the tabulator claim based on new evidence uh, misconduct and the catch all, uh, I can get into that, but the this will be a quite a detailed evidentiary motion seeking reconsideration and the uh, The expert report that underpins that will be i'm told ready by the end of this week, and we were going to suggest that we file our motion for reconsideration on May seventeenth and then your honor could rule on that and then combine whether if your honor accepted reconsideration or not, that that issue should be considered in conjunction. And we would note that this case has been pending on appeal for several months. And as I'm sure your honors, the same exigencies that existed with respect to the seating of a governor uh, are not at issue. And there are a number of cases where uh, the Time constraints under an election contest uh, were extended. Uh, I think in situations such as hunby Campbell and Ray's and others, where those types of moved along, and so we would request a a, uh, a slightly longer schedule to allow us to present our case and for you to consider our motion for reconsideration and motion to consolidate the public records request complaint.
5: Did anyone else want to be heard on those
8: issues? Craig Morgan for the Secretary of State. I speak for Mr. Liddy, Mrs. Crager, but we we are not not agreeable to that at all. Um, This case does need to proceed. It needs to proceed quickly. Obviously, Tuesday is a problem. I respectfully suggest to the court, let's make it Wednesday. Um, To the extent there's a motion for reconsideration, if they file it, they file it. I'll note for the court, this remand has been a long time coming. And I don't understand why it couldn't have been prepared and been ready to go by now. I'll We'll Also note for the court under Rule 60, I don't think this is a reasonable time frame in which to do it. Nor is it a foregone conclusion, Your Honor, that you'll be taking new evidence. Uh, we are going to file motions to dismiss, but that also begs the question, assuming they're denied, is it appropriate on remand within the narrow confines of the Supreme Court's order to take new evidence? I think, Judge, what you're trying to do makes perfect sense. This election is a long time over. The transition of power has occurred, and I respectfully ask that the will of the people be honored in all ways, including having this uh, proceeding occur uh, forthwith. Uh, Hopefully, we can all meet together next Tuesday or Wednesday if it's convenient for the court. I mean Wednesday or Thursday because of the Tuesday conflict or Monday, frankly.
5: Okay. I'm a little bit cloudy on what you're proposing in terms of the actual dates for Filing of motions.
8: I think your dates were perfect. I agree with your dates. I think this week that is perfectly appropriate. Uh your Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday makes perfect sense. You've got to get through these. We've got to get this done. And and I, I don't have any problem with the court's dates whatsoever. I think they're perfectly reasonable. Okay. And and I, I don't have any problem with the court's dates whatsoever. I think they're perfectly reasonable.
0: Okay.
9: Your Honor. On behalf of Governor Hobbs, sorry, sorry, Tom. I just wanted to add, uh, we are certainly prepared to engage in the further briefing that has been ordered by the Supreme Court on the very issue of whether or not there's an additional B6 reason to dismiss count three uh, other than latches and agree that that briefing should take place uh, this week or as soon as possible. Um, I would say from Governor Hobbs' perspective, we do not believe it makes sense to prepare for, engage in the resources of a trial before we know whether there will need to be a trial in light of the 12B6 briefing. Um, so I would I would request that the court not issue a trial date until there's a resolution on 12B6. At which point we'll all know what what issues, if any, are are left for this court's factual consideration. Um, and I and I, I I think that the exigencies of a trial that obviously occurred in in December that required us to kind of double track both the motion to dismiss and the trial uh, are not at issue here, and it would benefit just the conserve conservation of resources on on all parties and the court uh, if we could just resolve the narrow legal issues uh, to see whether there are any factual issues left for anybody for this court's review.
8: Okay, Your Honor. I think it would be prudent and the best use of the court's, most efficient use of the court's time to just let the motion to dismiss go first. I would remind the court there's already a motion to dismiss that's before this court. You don't have to file one. It's already filed. And this court ruled on it. And then we had the trial, and then there was an appeal, then they went all the way to the Supreme Court, and it came back. The only thing left is this very narrow issue, whether count three of the motion to dismiss, which is already before this court, there's any grounds to grant it other than latches that's the only very narrow issues before this court and if we can file our motions you know we can file ours tonight your honor or tomorrow is your your date uh and we just move forward with that i i would argue that the the whole idea of a motion to reconsider is not proper because the plaintiffs have exhausted all their appellate efforts they've gone all the way up and all the way down uh there is no motion to reconsider okay Your Honor, may I
7: speak? You may. Thank you for being patient, Mr. Olson. So, under Rule sixty, you have up to six months from the date of judgment to issue a motion for reconsideration. We that date uh, ends on May twenty-fourth. We have had a teams of experts reviewing cyber data, which is quite extensive, to prepare this report. In addition, underpinning this report are the findings from the mcgregor report which was issued on april 10th that also required integration and evaluation into the motion for reconsideration on the tabulator claim there were extraordinary findings of misconduct that are directly related to the court's findings in its december 24th 22 order dismissing that claim the issues are of such an extensive nature they show that maricopa officials conducted secret testing on the tabulators on october 14th 17th and 18th that's after the logic and accuracy test was certified that those two hundred and sixty of those four hundred and forty six tabulators failed that secret testing and that those tabulators were then used in the election Secondly, former Chief Justice McGregor's report directly contradicts the testimony of Director of Elections, Scott Jarrett, when he testified that the shrink-to-fit issue, which uh, occurred at three vote centers, and was due to some technicians changing the settings on Election Day. There is a critical finding... In that report, Your Honor, that I would like to read you briefly. Your Honor, I object. Before you proceed,
5: you're you're basically in essence arguing the motion. Because because I understand there's a balance here. But now I've got, I'll have people uh, lining up to tell me that there's another side to the story.
8: Your Honor, more importantly, I think, would say that he's not telling you a story. He's telling and and in light of the importance of this proceeding, and particularly what just happened in the Supreme Court, I don't think it's appropriate for counsel to testify unless he's under oath.
5: Okay, thank you. And you're right. What I'm, what I'm looking to do today is, this is procedural, is to schedule an orderly way to address this. And I understand that there are competing interests at foot here and very different views. So, nevertheless, I'm obligated to proceed according to the statute at this particular time. With all due respect to everybody, that is, I mean, both sides have given me reasons to deviate and make exceptions and put it in writing. I want to see emotion, response, and reply. And I will take it in order and consider the record before me and then make those decisions. But I have to set dates today because... That's my obligation. I understand that you were here before and we set and moved through things on a rapid basis. And now, and that was my ruling came out on Christmas Eve. And now we are May the 8th. And I understand that. I'm very much aware of that. But nevertheless, it's remanded. And if you'll know the remand in the the process, it happened overnight. Supreme Court handed that down, ordered the mandate be issued forthwith. Within hours, I had the mandate. So that's my clear message that I have to move forward in accordance with the statute. So what I have today is the dates that I proposed. I've heard all the different reasons why people think I should deviate, but I believe that in order to accommodate. What I have to do under the statutes that those dates make the most sense to me with motions being filed tomorrow, responses the tenth, replies on the eleventh, and oral argument on the twelfth, which is Friday. Okay. Is there any reason you can't
7: start a trial on Tuesday the sixteenth? Your Honor, this is Kurt Olson. I we would have to contact the three whistleblowers who we intend to bring as witnesses. Some of them, at least one resides out of state and to get their schedules. These were the signature verification uh, personnel at MTech. We also have two experts who will be giving testimony that we would have to bring. Really?
5: All right. Have you checked into their schedule? I mean, once the mandate came down, Everybody knows the time frame. So, have you checked into that to find out where they are in terms of scheduling,
7: Mr. Olson? Your Honor, the the uh, the two experts would be available, and two of the fact witnesses I was told would be available, but we are still waiting to hear back from the third who is out of state.
5: Well, as much as you'd like to, I mean, I think counting the days. Um, Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of wiggle room in terms of the amount of time I have to set the trial.
8: Yeah, Your Honor, thank you. Um, with respect to Tuesday, same problem we articulated before. There's been a longstanding hearing scheduled in Mojave County in the hominid case. that's going to require most counsel here on Tuesday, the 16th, to attend. Okay. I'd also note for you, Judge, for what it's worth, and I know you know this, but in case it slipped your mind, because it slipped mine until just now, you do have a five-day good cause window, and I could I, I can avow to the court, I'll personally be ready on Wednesday. Uh, we'll be ready on Wednesday. Tuesday, I just it will be a, a very difficult situation for us, and I, maybe the county as well.
5: All right. Uh, I'm not inclined to go up to the wire and take the 10 days plus five and then risk it. But if I keep the five days in my pocket because Mr. Olson comes back and says, Your Honor, I can't get that third witness here unless it's this date, and I can get it within the five days. Then I think that that makes sense for me to use that so that I can make sure that we have that witness available. But to stretch it out to the very wire and then have people come in at the last minute and tell me, my hair's on fire, I can't do this, that is not responsible for me. Okay.
8: I understand, Your Honor, and and we will agree to the schedule as you put it forth. Um, But I do want to object on the record on behalf of my clients to the false statements that were made to this court just moments ago. Um, There has been no finding of misconduct. That's an allegation. That's not a fact. And the other uh, statements that were made purported to be fact are not facts. It's not fair to the defendants. Um, This is a scheduling uh, conference. No one's supposed to be putting evidence on the record. If he's going to do that, then we should have uh, the ability to rebut that. I know that's not why we're here, and that's not what I'm asking for. I just want the record to be very clear that my defendant's position is the words that came out of the mouth about the McGregor report and uh, the misconduct that was found and the other alleged things are false. They're mere uh, allegations speculation conspiracy theories and they really should be stricken from from the record i'm not going yeah, to strike anything i'm not asking i'm just saying they should be they cut them off before can even say briefly, your
5: honor i don't know if you're going to go back and address what he said i'm not doing that because we'll go down the road we could be here till it's your five o'clock now we could be here till my five o'clock going back and forth with people Putting things on the record, so to speak, okay. that's not helpful to me. I'm trying to schedule what I need to do under the statute. I need you all to put whatever you're going to put.
4: Maricopa County wants to strike something from the record that Kurt Olson didn't even get a chance to say before he was interrupted. That's how badly they didn't want him to talk about that Ruth McGregor uh, investigative report. Think about that.
5: To start trial and I can move it to the 17th. Understanding that that's still within the time frame that I have, not using the five days for good cause. Okay, but Mr. Olson, I'm very concerned that you have a witness that uh, needs to be here, and you don't have confirmation they can be here within the time I said on the 16th. So if you can find that out, that will be helpful, so that you can let me know where we are on timing. Okay.
7: Yes, Your Honor. One one issue. To just raise with your honor, in terms of fitting within the confines of the election contest statute, given the findings in the McGregor report, in our motion for reconsideration, we would be seeking a review of the ballots under sixteen six seven seven, and this is with respect to the McGregor report's findings on the fit to print issue. And that—that so that is, if your honor i don't willing. want you to argue that no
5: i'm not I'm arguing expecting to see that in writing tomorrow
7: okay it's a motion and
5: then i expect to see a response and then a reply so
8: Toronto, i just rose to say that that and i appreciate the court's willingness to move the uh the trial date to the 17th To let the trial know there is an election in tempe that's on the 16th and that um, our witnesses that we may have to call depending on whether there's going to be a trial
4: First, last, Rumble wants to know what the McGregor report is. We'll talk about that after this concludes. I'll give some commentary afterwards.
5: That's fine. All right. So today what I'm looking at is the dates are your motions are due tomorrow. Responses are all due on uh, Wednesday the 10th. Replies are due on the 11th. That's Thursday. And I'll have oral argument at 9 o'clock on Friday. Okay. Now, i um, for purposes of those that are out of state, I can do the oral argument with you appearing virtually if you if you choose to do that. That's your call. Okay? So it's either on teams or you're here in person, one of the two. Okay? Um, so trial will be set for the 17th at 9 a.m. at this point. Um, and so... How many days does the does plaintiff estimate for presenting a case as things are today? I, I missed the last part of that, your Honor. I'm ask how many days does plaintiff estimate for trial presentation based on the standing
7: of the case as it is today? Thank you. For plaintiff's case, Your Honor, with three witnesses and two experts, we would ask for two days to present our case in chief. And for the defendants.
5: Half a day to respond. Keep in mind your estimate includes cross examination of
8: their witnesses. Uh, Yeah, Your Honor. Thank you. Uh, Half a day. Excluding cross, a full day.
0: Well, You'll have to
5: forgive me for a little bit of judge skepticism dealing with lawyers' estimates of time
8: um I'd rather err on the side of uh well so, I did my best judge
5: <laughs> uh, no 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 that was that was not meant as an accusation, of course not say respectfully but um okay, that gives me an estimate that we're looking about three days, okay, give her fair enough Mr. Blem, Mr. Olson you know what I mean if, if plaintiff's telling me they need two days they're going to be understand you, they're going to have more time than you are okay if you're telling me you want equal time I understand but you're saying I upped your half a day to a day okay so all being said three days of what we'd be calendaring so if if we start on the 17th, then we would be going the 18th, nine, well, 17th, 18th, 19th. So we would be finishing up by the 19th. Am I right in my
8: math? I'm sure. talking to lawyers again. Math skills are a little bit. I'm not sure my malpractice insurance lets me do math, Your Honor. I'll have to be honest. No. why I went to law school, Your Honor, but I believe you're correct. Mr. Blam, I've used that same line, and I meant it.
0: <laughs>
8: um,
9: Your Honor, I'm sorry. Can I can I just want to confirm with the court and with the plaintiff's counsel, is the position that, that the trial on the issue on remand needs to be longer than the tri- original trial held in December? That was a two-day trial. Oh, hello.
5: You're, you're giving me estimates, and I'm looking to calendar. I'm not trying to equivocate right now. And I, if, if we do a trial, I want to be done with everything that needs to be heard. I'm not sitting here trying to gauge it against something else.
8: Uh, Your Honor, (laughs) the operative is what needs to be heard, and what needs to be heard is a ruling on whether a 12B6.
5: Got it. But uh, with all due respect, Mr. Lady, this is the same thing I got earlier on on the record. I expect to see that in writing tomorrow with a response from the other side and then a reply. Okay. Yes, sir, Mr. Morgan.
8: Thank you, Your Honor. In order to help streamline the potential trial we may have, I'm going to obviously operate as though there's going to be
4: No.
1: you oh
2: fighterflare.com.
8: So I would ask the court to please today consider with us setting a disclosure deadline of some comprehensiveness so we can prepare. For example, if they've got two experts with two reports, I can make more use of your time on cross-examination, as can Mr. Liddy, if we see those in advance of trial, preferably well in advance. Uh, so I, I would like I would like to have some modicum of disclosure between now and then if 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 the court agrees.
5: Okay. Let me before I ask for a response on that, I assume that when you file well, I don't know who to look at, Mr. Blem or Mr. Olson. So I'm uh, I'm looking at both of you. Mr. Olson. Yes, ma'am. Um, if I'm gonna be seeing a motion for, from you uh, raising these issues, am I also gonna have attached exhibits of reports? In other words, if you do, then that's going to basically advise the other side what they can expect to hear from your witnesses.
7: Am I right? We do not have an expert report for the signature verification. We will have an expert report that would be attached to the motion for reconsideration.
5: Okay. So, are you, so I understand, are your two experts split between the two issues, one expert on reconsideration? one expert on the signature verification.
7: We had contemplated bringing two experts for signature verification, your honor.
5: Okay. All right. So.
8: If, if I might also raise the new your honor,
6: please, Mr. Blum. I apologize. Um, and we have, uh, on behalf of my client, your honor, please, Mr. Blum. I apologize. Um, and we have, uh, on behalf of my client, done a public records request for um, access to the affidavit envelopes. And the reason for that request is Maricopa County does a very low resolution 230 dot per inch scan or runbeck does on behalf of Maricopa County. We would like to see those affidavit envelopes. If it pleased the court and it pleased defendants, we would like to consolidate that issue, which I suppose we could file a motion for tomorrow.
5: I thought that's what I was gonna get tomorrow.
6: But my offer to uh, the defendants would be, we can give them a list that doesn't include all affidavit envelopes of simply uh, some voter identification numbers that we would like to see the signatures for. And if they could disclose that, since we're talking about disclosure, Your Honor.
5: Well, first of all, let's get to the first hurdle, because, and as I indicated earlier, I appreciated you putting in writing, so it gave me some idea of what I might hear from you today. You have currently, as we sit here today, a parallel action related to a public records request to inspect um, ballots from the 2022 election, correct? Correct.
6: Uh, not ballots, Your Honor, or I well, believe. No, no, no. I see that motion tomorrow, but the affidavit envelopes from the 2022 election.
5: You're absolutely correct. I misspoke. But that's pending currently before another judge. And what I thought you were going to be filing tomorrow would be a motion to try and consolidate that action with this action, because as you represented to me in your request for this hearing today, Uh, you believe the issues are intertwined and therefore they should be consolidated. And I fully anticipated that that would be one of the motions I would be seeing from you tomorrow. Am I correct?
6: That is correct, Your Honor. Okay.
5: All right. So we'll see that motion. Then I'll see a response. Then I'll see a reply. Okay. All right. Very well. I think those are all the issues I had.
8: I don't think you're working back on my original request, and it's because this is this be sidetracked. Uh, I'd like to the parties to have some oh. modicum of at least witness disclosure. Again, Judge, I've heard a statement that there are going to be two experts, one of whom's going to have a report that they may attach to a, a motion. That's fine. but. Am I really going to be what, an expert on the stand in the middle of an expedited election hearing to determine whether they're an expert? Surely there's some sort of disclosure we can get. We're going to need more than a day. And that. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Mr. Liddy. And as Mr. Liddy just pointed out to me, Your Honor, we will need more than a day if we're going to be spending time bickering over whether someone's qualified to give an expert opinion about an issue we haven't seen. Uh, so I just want to help the court. To help us all spend more time doing things that we love to do, and not wasting time in court. But we're going to need disclosures, I think, to do that.
6: And, Your Honor, if I may, may point something out: the original a trial of this matter, we were forced to contend with their witnesses um, without having spoken to them in advance, and uh, they made it clear when we tried to do discovery, Your Honor, that there are no dis- there is no discovery in an election challenge.
5: You're both correct. And let me just uh, – I had considered what's being requested, but here's what I run up against. These are the competing interests, as I thought about. It. I could put a very structured uh, management order in place requiring names of witnesses for lay witnesses, subject matter and substance under the rule and expert witnesses disclosure of not only the opinions but underlying basis for the opinions and then at trial there's a tight rule that says if you haven't disclosed it you don't get to use it or say it and as I've gone back and forth with that in my mind there are two competing problems or interests I guess and one is the right of opposing counsel to know what the other is going to say i don't know what we're talking about plaintiff's witnesses i don't know what witnesses defendants are going to bring in this at all i don't know whether you can have experts i imagine there'll be some people that are going to purport to have information training or experience beyond that of the average person on these issues that would make them an expert and if they're going to testify then they have expert opinions as well and those have to have foundation as well on the other side um, I find that the abbreviated process that we have for an election challenge is um, doesn't lend itself well to the rules of civil procedure with regard to discovery, disclosure, um, supplemental disclosure under 26.1, etc. And yet, yet, the time frame is compressed. So... Um, and i will tell you this that if you have an expert that testifies i'm not inclined even if you go to the trouble of providing a report it's cumulative i'm not going to allow you to have an expert testify and then also introduce a report that unduly emphasizes one particular aspect of the testimony but i believe that there is some valid value for both sides to receive some type of an indication at least for the expert witnesses of the, the substance of the opinions to be offered and the basis for those opinions. Okay? So, I am not, but I, I will let you know right up front that I am also, um, one of the most frequent objections you get at a trial with an expert is, is that, Your Honor, that hasn't been disclosed, so the expert can't say it. Some of it may be an opinion or something that branches off an opinion that appears to me to be very logical and a next step. Whereas other opinions may be something that's completely cut out of whole cloth, nothing that was disclosed or contemplated in the past. And to me, I draw a distinct difference. Okay. So to the extent that you're both here and both of you have the same, um, interest at stake of knowing what the other experts are going to say. Do you want to agree on a deadline where you can exchange the information? Can you do it by the time you file replies?
8: Yes, Your Honor. Uh, Yes, Your Honor, thank you. Yes, Your Honor. Okay. Well, that
5: date is Thursday the 11th okay but let me let me tell you i'm interested i guess maybe the way i'm trying to clarify this is to let you know that if somebody says something on the stand that's very closely akin to what you've already disclosed i view that as something that's close enough to be heard and keep in mind this is a trial to the bench it's not a jury trial But if you come up with something at trial that's cut from whole cloth, completely different than anything that's been disclosed before either side, that to me is surprise. That's something that's not fair to hold the other person's feet to the fire with. Does that make sense to both sides?
8: Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor.
5: Okay. So with that in mind, another deadline will be, Thursday the eleventh for disclosure of names of experts, their substantive opinions and bases for those opinions. Okay. Is there anything else we need to cover today before I let you
8: go? Nothing from the secretary, Your honor. Thank you. What about one Okay. Well, I'm not, no. yeah.
5: not going to make every one of you go down roll call and tell me no. Mr. I, Liddy raises a good
8: point, Judge. Um, I assume, what, did, con, I hate, I've i never asked a judge this. When do you contemplate ruling on the motions, that oral argument or soon thereafter? On the motions? The motions to dismiss. The motions to dismiss in particular.
5: I'll do my best. Of course. Keep in mind, throughout this case, I don't know how many of you there are. And you've got support staff, and it's me okay and so I will do my best to address everything as timely as I can, okay so I can't give you a you know a blood oath promise, but um, I know that time is short, okay, and I have that very clearly in my mind, okay Um, so yeah it's not like it's Christmas Eve but we did that once before (laughs) okay
8: thank you your honor what an ass
5: anything else before I let you go
6: nothing for me your honor no your honor
5: I'll acknowledge for the record Miss Lake is here she appeared via teams and uh, I didn't put her appearance on the record. That's why I'm noting that she's here and you all can't see. But um, anything from any of the defendants, I'm not going to do a roll call. I'm seeing voice. Uh, no, your honor. Any language that's no. No, your honor. Thank you all. And uh, you'll be excused. That's all we have for today's hearing. Thank, Thank you. you, your honor. Your
4: honor. All right. I thought, I thought Carrie Lake was going to speak. She just came to sit sit there and look pretty, I guess. Um So, yeah, I said I would give some commentary afterwards. Now, I think I know why CanCon told me to tune in. We'll get to that in a second. But I just want you guys to understand this was just a a status conference where you set the dates for the trial and whatnot. And uh, remember, this is the same judge that dismissed Carrie Lake's case on Christmas Eve, right, without a hearing whatsoever. So we're, we're back to this same judge. And he's going to be looking at this count three regarding signature uh, illegal signatures that were accepted by Maricopa County illegally. He's he's reviewing that count again. And uh, here's the thing, you know, you could clearly tell by this judge's demeanor and some of his rhetoric, especially what he said at the end there, where Maricopa County's attorneys they asked, hey, judge, you know, I've never asked a judge this before, but uh, when are you going to make a decision on the motion to dismiss? And he says, well, I don't know. I'll I'll get to it as soon as I can. But, uh, you know, it's not Christmas Eve. But let's remember, we've done that one before. <laughs> like, like what an ass. The judge is clearly his, his body language, his demeanor is kind of like this. Look, you know, the election's already over. We're six months into this. I can't even believe I'm back in the courtroom talking about this anymore. That's what I was picking up, at least. And right off the bat, he started setting dates, which which indicate that he clearly wants to rush this thing along and get it over with. You know, he set um, motion for response, like the next day. Motion for, I mean, mo- basically, we have oral argument on Friday, which is a very, very quick timeline. and. Kurt Olson, Carrie Lake's attorney was like, Hey, you know, I got like three witnesses. One of them lives out of state and this isn't enough time for me to get our stuff together and prepare to go to trial. But, you know, of course, Maricopa County was like, no judge, we think you've made a great decision here. Yeah. Let's just rush this, this thing along. We think you're a genius, you know, for setting these, these dates the way that you did. Thank you, your honor. They were really happy about that. Um, but so again remember this is the same judge that that dismissed the case including the count that the Supreme Court is forcing him to reconsider again. Now um Lake's team they 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 want to go for the jugular. They want to go for the haymaker here. Their intention is to file several new motions as well as present tons of new evidence that they've been able to collect since the case was dismissed on christmas eve okay they they have new evidence regarding the mail-in ballot envelopes first of all uh they're they're filing a motion for reconsideration regarding count 4 from lake's original complaint regarding the logic and accuracy testing apparently and i didn't even know this uh they have evidence that the maricopa county board of supervisors conducted secret testing of the dominion machines after the logic inaccuracy testing, right? And apparently, in these secret tests, the machines failed the secret tests. However, they proceeded to use those machines on election day anyway. Very bizarre. But this could have been um, an opportunity for them to alter or manipulate the Dominion machine settings and, and the sensitivity of how they read ballots, Right. Because remember that one of the one of the major issues here is that 61 percent of the machines rejected ballots on Election Day. So if we have secret logic inaccuracy testing going on and the machines are failing and then they use the machines anyway, this could indicate when the manipulation took place. So they want to present that evidence. They're also asking the court, the judge, to consolidate the lawsuit that was filed by We the People AZ Alliance. Remember that We the People AZ Alliance they submit public record requests to Maricopa County, Stephen Richer, uh, the county recorder's office, regarding the mail-in ballot envelopes. They said, you know, they looked at the, the statute in Arizona, which uh, pertains to public record requests, and they 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 saw that, hey, we are a legal entity that is authorized to receive this information. So if you're not going to comply with our public records request, well, then we're going to sue you. So they filed a lawsuit and since Kerry Lake is requesting an examination of the mail-in ballots, um, they just decided that, hey, why don't we just ask the courts to consolidate our um, request and your lawsuit? Just just mesh it into one thing. So they're asking the judge to make a decision on that, you know and uh, there was one more thing, okay. There was one more thing, and, and this is what I think CanCon, I think this is the reason that CanCon texted me and told me to, uh, you know, tune in and live stream this. And that is because Kurt Olson brought up the evidence of the McGregor report. Okay, so again, they're at, they're, they're asking the courts to give Carrie Lake's legal team the ability to review the actual physical ballots from election day, right? And the reason is because this McGregor report showed evidence that Scott Jarrett, uh, Scott Jarrett, the Maricopa County elections director, contradicted himself under oath regarding the shrink to fit issue. Or no, he didn't contradict himself; he just straight up lied. Okay, and the and the McGregor report proves that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Here's the reason CanCon, you know, said I should specifically tune into this. The reason is because I did a Substack article all about this McGregor report and how it an. I mean, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the McGregor report was an, an invest. There was an investigation commissioned by the Maricopa County Attorney's Office. Right. So this was Maricopa County's own investigation into the printer failures and the machine rejections on election day, right? They got this former Supreme Court Justice, Ruth McGregor, to conduct a so-called independent analysis, and she published a report. And the explanation that she gave in this report for why 61% of the machines uh, failed on election day was because, as she said, the county used 100-pound ballot paper which was uh, thicker than the paper that they used in prior elections. And so this put a, a strain, a stress, on the ballot-on-demand printers, because I guess, for, for, for whatever reason, when you have a thicker paper, it's it makes the printer have a harder time binding the ink to the paper, right? So the thick paper caused the ballot-on-demand printers to print ballots that weren't clear. They were blurry, or they were distorted. And so they went into the machines, the machines can't read them, and they spat them back out. That was the explanation that Ruth McGregor gave. That was the synopsis of her investigation. All right. Um, but let's remember, let's remember something. Clay Perique, Carrie Lake's expert witness, he testified that um, he believed the reason that 61% of the machines rejected ballots on Election Day... Was because there were 19-inch ballot images being printed on 20-inch ballot paper, and so this extra half inch on either side of white paper caused the machines to perceive like a paper jam, and so they spat uh, the, the the paper back out. And also the timing marks on the side of the ballot were out of alignment, so the machines could not process the ballot, and that's why they spat them back out. Right. So so Carrie Lake, her legal team. Prior to the the original trial, they conducted a small investigation into a handful of ballots from about 15 vote centers, and Clay Perique discovered that in every vote center that they looked at, there was 19-inch ballot images printed on 20-inch paper. And what, what Clay Perique testified is that this could not have occurred by accident. This happened one of two ways, and these are the only two explanations for why this happened. One is that there was a ballot image, a PDF file, you know, the PDF file that they use to print the ballots, right? There was a PDF file of a 19-inch ballot or somebody with administrator-level access manipulated the ballot-on-demand printers, okay? Those were the two possibilities that he gave. That's the only way that this could have occurred. Now, Scott Jarrett, He testified uh, the first day of the trial that, no, there was not any 19-inch ballots. That is absurd. There was no 19-inch ballot image. He testified under oath that there were no 19-inch ballot images. That did not occur, right? Well, the very next day, Scott Jarrett testified again, and he said, you know— Actually, uh, the reason that there was 19-inch ballot images printed on 20-inch paper was because of a shrink-to-fit issue, okay? And this is a systemic issue in Maricopa County. We've seen it before. It's been happening for the past, I don't know, 80 elections, all right? It's just it's just something that happens every election, all right? It, what, what Scott Jarrett said on the second day is that basically somebody uh, that was managing the ballot-on-demand printers accidentally clicked... shrink to fit (laughs) they accidentally clicked a button shrink to fit which causes the the image to compress and print smaller (laughs) on the paper right that was that was his that was his explanation that he gave under oath all right now this flies in the face of all logic first of all clicking shrink to fit isn't going to shrink the, the the ballot image an entire inch second of all Scott Jarrett's explanation requires that somebody in every single vote center (laughs) just happened to all simultaneously accidentally click that shrink to fit button, which doesn't make any sense because each vote center has a different person. They're independent from one another and they would have all had to accidentally click that button. It doesn't make any sense. All right. So we all knew that Scott Jarrett was lying and we knew that Uh, Clay Parikh was telling the truth. Well, what's interesting is, okay, I know I'm long-winded. It's taken me a long time to get to the point. But I put out this substack highlighting the fact that Ruth McGregor's own report from the Maricopa County Attorney's Office's own commission investigation makes a bombshell admission that nobody seemed to have caught except this guy. <laughs> and I published this sub stack and Carrie Lake got a hold of it. And I think Kurt Olson, Clay Perique saw it. Wendy Rogers shared it. It was all the rage. Okay. It was all the rage. And I was very proud because it, it had been a long time since I had put anything out there that made a meaningful impact on, you know, this, this movement. All right. This is my, uh, <laughs> this is my, uh, you know, my pride and joy right here. This paragraph right here. So let me direct your attention to two sentences from Ruth McGregor's report. Look at page 12 right here. So check it out. What they did in this investigation was they took, I think, like 12 printers that were from Election Day, and they printed about 9,000 test ballots to run them through the machines, right? And while they try to say, oh, my God. (laughs) My my poster fell behind me. That scared the crap out of me. I swear I'm going to get to the point. I swear I'm going to get to the point. Okay, so while Ruth McGregor tries to explain the whole thing away with ballot thickness, (laughs) she makes a, a massive admission right here in this paragraph, which is very peculiar. Okay, so she says, During our testing four printers out of like 12 randomly printed one or a few fit to page ballots in the middle of printing a batch of ballots. And none of the technical people with whom we spoke could explain how or why that occurred. What are you kidding me? So, so wait a second. So wait a second. They, they printed 9,000 test ballots And at random, the printers were (laughs) like, like four out of 12 of the printers printed 19 inch ballots and they didn't expand on this whatsoever. They just said this and then just moved on and acted like it wasn't a big deal when this right here confirms Clay Parikh's testimony and prove proves that Scott Jarrett is a dirty stinking liar. Because what this means is that the ballot-on-demand printers were programmed to print 19-inch ballots at random. Think about it. I mean, they they conducted this investigation by randomly selecting um, 12 printers, right? And here's how they did the selection. They had five printers that were problematic on Election Day. They had five printers that had no problems on Election Day. And then they had two Of this uh, different type of printer, which is called Lexmark, and these are like the industrial robust uh, printers that they use in the heavily populated vote centers, right? So what I'm trying to tell you is out of 12 printers, they only randomly selected five that were problematic, and out of those five, four of of them were randomly spitting out 19-inch ballots, So boom, (laughs) boom! I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So Kurt Olson and Kerry Lake's legal team, they are seeking a review of the ballots from election day based on the fact that Ruth McGregor put out a report which shows Scott Jarrett is lying, and that there is actually uh, these these printers were programmed to spit out 19 inch ballots. Right? So remember, Clay Perique, he only in, investigated like 19 vote centers. And we know that this was a systemic problem that occurred all across Maricopa County and likely in in other counties in Arizona as well. And so they're hoping that they can get um, get their hands on the actual physical uh, paper ballots from Election Day. So basically, Cary Lake's team, they want to not just uh, sort of resurrect some of the old evidence but they want to present new evidence they're filing several new motions and it's all gonna be going down within the next week and we have oral arguments on Friday man man oh man oh man oh man so this is gonna get interesting and uh man I'm now uh, it makes my it's gonna make my life pretty difficult because again I got my brother staying with me my mom's coming in this weekend, but this is this is big stuff. So we got to find a way, make time to cover all this. And man, it's going to be a pain in the butt, <laughs> but we're going to make it happen. So be sure to subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. Be sure to tune in the next time we go live. I think what we're probably going to do since we went live twice today is tomorrow, we probably won't go live unless there's some some big story. We'll probably take that day to spend with family. And then we'll be back, you know, Wednesday. Wednesday, because we got that big House Oversight Committee hearing with James Comer, you know, blowing the lid off of the uh Hunter Biden the the the, the Biden crime family syndicate. So we gotta we gotta cover that. All right, so uh, be sure to smash that rumble button, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for fighting for free and fair elections. And I will see you next time.
1: Now